Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim, and today we are going to discuss The Left Hand of Darkness. Uh, first, just as a episode disclaimer, this episode is going to contain discussions on gender, sexuality, and current political situations. Listener discretion is advised. In regards to current global incidents, this episode was recorded on February 26th and reflects events as of that date. Please be aware that none of us are experts on the current situation, but I can recommend the book Ukraine, What Everyone Needs to Know by, and I'm going to say this wrong and I apologize, Sohi Eklichik, that's S-E-R-H-Y, last name Y-E-K-E-L-C-H-Y-K. If you do want further information on the history of Ukraine as it stands. So, In regards to The Left Hand of Darkness, this book is by Ursula Le Guin and was published in 1969 by Ace Books. It's actually the fourth book in the Hainish series, but it can be read as its own separate book. They are not the type of series that you have to read all the way through in order to understand. It also won the Nobel Award, no, Nebula Award. So close. I was going so you were, good. That word was not even close. No, I meant before that. Oh, I was that, like, yeah, I you had, had, you had it on I am going, and then, yeah, <laughs> Nebula Award and the Hugo Award. And the plot for The Left Hand of Darkness is A. How do you say AI? I called him Genly I. Genly I? I? Okay. If towards the end they say something about his name sounding like towards an the middle or of yeah, pain, yeah, of pain. So I would say I, I, <laughs> I, 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 no. I has been tasked with encouraging the two nations of the Geneth to join the Ecumen. Yeah, the Ecumen is a coalition of humanoid worlds. However, in the process, he finds himself at odds with the Karhide government, and his own ally is Estraven, who is shunned by the ruler of Karhide. So, I feel like we're going to be having some heavy conversations <laughs> today. Because um, we, we picked a heavy book. Like, this book is not light in terms of both level of reading and content. And then the world decided to make reading that even harder. Because you guys didn't... I finished pretty quickly, but you guys... I just finished last night. You just finished last night. You were finishing earlier this week when everything was starting. Thursday, I think. Yeah, starting to happen with Ukraine. And you were having a hard time focusing on the end because it was the night that... Yeah, because things were getting boring in the book. And then I look at my phone and it's like, Russia has invaded Ukraine. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> that's so you, way you more interesting. You get a feeling of this book kind of being a contrast to what's actually happening in the Soviet Union, or not Soviet Union, in Russia and, and Ukraine. Did you not get that? Because that was the issue with me. This felt like a, a solid contrast no, it, to... Yeah, no, it okay. did. Okay. It's just at that point, they were like hiking in the snow or whatever. Oh. And it was just going on that long journey. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I don't care at this point. And it was like winding down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Then it was, you were dealing with stressful things, wondering what that meant. It's like, I'm way more and interested in current events. You watching everything that was happening, but you needed to focus on reading. But yeah. I luckily finished before all of this. And I was just like, I just got it done. Um, but yeah, so it's really hard for us to be able to have this discussion without taking Ukraine into a, into account. Into account. Um, which like I said, none of us are experts. I, I have, I haven't finished the book. I had started reading the book I recommended. So I have some background information. Should we get that in depth? But first off, Kim, what did you think of the book outside of Ukraine? Um, it was thought provoking and it's, it's 
a book that's going to stick with me. Um, it, as we all know, I don't remember from one week to the next what I've read because we move through these things so fast. So they're and and most of the books just don't have that sort of oomph. Yeah, that sort of thinky times about it. And and this one, I was definitely trying to summate it all. Summate. God, this is going to be a long podcast. I'm making up words. Um, last night, because I always do that. When yeah. I, okay, what are we going to discuss? What do I think is going to come up? What are, you know? How do I feel about things? And I was having a hard time just kind of coalescing all of that into my brain and, and having an overall feeling about the book. It it generated a lot of thoughts. And so... It made me anxious. I think it's part of why I'm not feeling so great at the moment is between everything going on, the content of the book and knowing the kind of conversations that we're going to be having and that I was very busy this week, my anxiety like hit a peak. It hasn't in a while um, because I want to be conscientious of what we're talking about. And this is, this is a thinker. This is without a doubt. So oh, there's a lot of, lot of things going on in this book. What, what about guess, you? What about you? Did, did you find this in depth at all or no, no, no. Okay. The wiggly hand motion here. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, when I finished the book, I feel like I was kind of at the place you were at where I wasn't really sure what to make of it or how I felt about it. I would not consider it overly thought-provoking, personally. Um, like, the beginning was just weird. Maybe that's because there was more information. I didn't know it was part of a series, for one, until you said that. Yeah, I didn't know either until um, I was three-fourths of the way through it, and then I was looking it up to look up some information to make sure I was understanding the plot correctly. And it was like, the fourth book in the Hainish cycle. And I was like, well... <laughs> but I think they're all independent. Yeah, and I mean, yes. you definitely, obviously, roles. there's yeah, enough information that, yeah. is given that you yeah. don't need to read. But at the same time, it was. And I'm only curious. Did did your copy have annotations? No. Oh, see, that might have helped. My copy has little annotations on certain words and terms. And the digital copy, you could you could pull up annotations on certain words and stuff so that. It explained some of the, like the islands. He was talking yeah. about the islands. Those aren't literal islands. They're apartment buildings. Oh, wait, I think I did have that. Right. There were a lot of okay. annotations. Yes. No, just a few. you're right. I do have some annotations. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I didn't remember there being a lot of annotations. There weren't. There weren't. It was, I think I there feel were like there was just that one. five tops. There was some towards the end. Yeah. Well, I'm only seeing... Because I know last night when I was Possibly. finishing up, I pulled up So two. maybe it did have annotations, and I read them, and yeah. they just kind of, you know, absorbed them. Well, yeah. I absorbed them with yeah. the rest of the book and didn't yeah. really remember them as annotations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the beginning was just weird. The middle part, though, or like, there was a part in there, I think, around the time that he talks to the king, and then Estraven gets banished, and he also ends up having to go to Orgorion. Um, like that block I found really interesting. And that yeah. one did kind of like, there were quotes that she put in there that kind of resonated with me. And I was like, you know, the things she's saying, it's really interesting. And then like he gets sent to the prison camp. I think it, that was still kind of interesting. But then after that point is when it was just like, mostly that hike along the ice, which takes up half the book. And it's literally just them hiking across the ice. And it's such well, a, but it's not just them hiking across but it's the a, ice. It's, it's. It's evaluating a different aspect of the culture in that um, I was finally really coming to terms with the fact that these humanoids are 
what's the term? Ambisexual? They're, they, ambisexual. Am, yeah, they, they are either ones. And before then, because he even talks about it, he associated, I associated them as either male or female based on their behaviors because that's where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Men and women are men and women, whereas they're, they can go either way. And he, he didn't really come to terms with that until he was stuck alone with Estrovin. I said Estrovin, and so did whatever. Yeah. Um, and he had, he had to come to terms with the fact that he was actually being very judgmental. Esther, and that's what that whole sequence for me was about was him coming to terms with this world he's supposed yeah. to be I mean I got that I just don't I don't know I don't feel like it was developed it just felt like he was just these revelations were just coming on him suddenly and like there was this it was implied that there was like this shift in their relationship that was like monumental or whatever it was super important but I didn't feel that way. Like, I didn't feel like they were that close or anything or like that they had formed this powerful friendship because it was just him talking about the ice. And then like they had like maybe a dialogue scene or two. And I don't know. I just yeah. it didn't it wasn't built in a way that I really got anything out of it. So what I took that section to be is it's when we see him actually being forced to truly immerse with someone of the planet because before then he seemed like he was holding off on like he interacted with people but he saw himself as separate of them but by being isolated with just Estraven he had to consider his effect on them um because if I remember correctly there's a point where Estraven has a physical response to him Estraven goes into Kimmering and is reacting to his masculinity um and it is trying not to. And it's, it's the first time he realizes the impact he has on them by, by being there and, and realizing that before then he was kind of keeping himself separate, which was preventing him from actually achieving his goal. He was a mysterious entity, but he needed to actually immerse himself into the entirety of the culture in order to actually get them to trust and accept him and actually communicate in a way that they understand. Because before then he was what the author deems as a, a, a pervert um because he was in okay, constant no, no, sexual the, the author doesn't deem them but well no no but, but, but that's what this class that's what she classifies it as these people who are in constant sexual activity and not like like physically always in sex but always sexually potential okay so what i'm arguing with is the fact that um we're we're using the term pervert which has very negative connotations which is why i was right um but we need to be clarifying in that in the society the writer was developing, those that were constantly sexual. Yeah, that's what I was trying right, to say. Are deemed perverts Pervert. by yes. that society. Well, when you say the author says classified, it, that's right. that's the term she used. The society. Because the society okay. viewed I, Ursula doesn't think that sexual people are perverts. No, right. And, yeah, and that's yeah. the thing I'm trying to clarify. No, no, what I, you're saying. I, was, I was trying to yeah. progress there. Um, is that before then I was other, he was different, he yeah. was what is considered a, a negative anomaly for the Karhide people. Um, because he's has always has sexual potential, while as they only have to worry about sex when the chemering happens. Yeah. Um and I will say, because I'm sure people have come across it, um, 
one of the things that kind of was flawed in terms of that charming of perverts is when in the book she's discussing that, she then discusses how homosexual relationships for the Carhide people is not very common, where both present as male or both present as female and actually then interact. Um, I do want to state that Le Guin has since looked back at how she wrote that and realized that she didn't verbalize it correctly, that it could be interpreted that she was calling them perverts for being homosexual, and that was not her intent. Um, so when you go into the reading this, keep in mind that it is from 1969. See, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I, I didn't get like, Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that at all. In fact, I thought it, it actually handled an aspect, not an aspect. <sighs> she just wanted, I just came across an article yeah. that she had addressed that once she realized she didn't put enough of that representation right. in Right, I don't think she went into depth on it, but yeah. maybe felt... The fact that she mentioned it at all was surprising to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought that, like, she would just gloss over that or be like, well, it's male, like, one being more male triggers the other to be more female, and that's just how it always is. So the yeah. fact that she even... In 1969, bothered to put anything else in there, was like... Oh, yeah, but yeah. some people have had... Some people have felt that it's a negative way that she wrote it. And so I just wanted to come out and say that she has clarified that was not her intent. She can understand why people do interpret it that way. Um, but it wasn't what she intended. Um, so just as yeah. Yeah. full disclosure. Sure. But uh, what was I trying to say? Um, but yeah, so I found the eyes kind of looping us back around was actually eyes chance to become part of the people because until he became part of them and understood them truly, he wasn't going to succeed at his mission to get them to join the Ekuman men. Ekuman. Um, so that's what I saw that part as. It was sluggish, though, with, like, without a doubt. It was, See, I really liked that section. It, and yes, it was slow and it was like, you know, how... how I liked it at first and then it just kept going on and I was like, okay. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was, I, I, I liked those two being forced into an isolation situation. Um, I just wish they interacted more. Like, it was mostly just her describing the ice and walking through whiteness that they couldn't see their own shadow. Like, there were no shadows, so it was hard to see. And now, see, I found that really fascinating because that, as a writer, she had to have researched um, those kinds of climates. That, that, yeah, that climate in depth because it it was... It was thorough. thorough. <laughs> and the type of weather systems you're going to get when you're on a glacier, the type of, you know, and then the type of weather systems that were experienced during an ice age. She had to have done some massive research on that. Yeah. Because um, you can't, you, you don't just make all that shit up off the top of your head and not have any basis of what she the reality have, is. We wouldn't know. <laughs> not from personal I mean, obviously other know, people yeah. would know. Um, I would call it out, but... I will say that section, though, highlights, like, one of the, the fun things about science fiction is where authors take something that is known, which is, like, what it's like to traverse a glacier, and then applies it to an otherworldliness in order to make that otherworldliness kind of grounded in reality. Um, so while it was tedious, I imagine that trying to cross a glacier and not sure if you're going to survive, is probably slow and sluggish. And you're probably not aiming to, like, have tons and tons of conversations. You're just kind of trying to get through the day. But I could be mistaken. I've not had to experience that. Don't want to. 
very much do not want to. <laughs> um, what about other parts? Uh, what about towards the very, very end? How did you feel about that? Or were you, by that point... Mostly checked out. Okay. okay. I mean, you already know S. Draven's going to die because all of his parts were written as journals and not <laughs> present tense. So I was like, yep, he's going to die. And then he did. I was like, yep, that's cool. See, I didn't even... I. I didn't even pick up on that, that they were all written as journals. I mean, I didn't pick it up right away, but I did by like, I don't know. I was, I was sad that he died. I was. I mean, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I was like, yeah, of course. Um, You love it when people die at the end of the book. (laughs) Especially for (laughs) just. sarcasm, by the way. (laughs) Like, oh, what a waste. Um, Your favorite book. (laughs) <laughs> oh, let's not go there again. <laughs> but it's not permanent. Well, I mean, it's permanent for each different Variation. timeline. But it's not the point. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what did we think of... Okay, so what did you think of the ambisexuality? Like, did you like exploring that did you feel any revelations towards it or did it just mean and then i found out that i was ambisexual all along (laughs) no um (laughs) i would have questions (laughs) as to how that works for you like you mean people aren't like this all the time um or that everyone's like this um Gosh. I meant more in a, like a biological sense. Like, do you have the same No, no, I mean, player? that's like, what I was saying. I was like, you mean, that's not how everyone just is? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I thought it was interesting. Okay. Um, but I don't, I just, it was weird that she was saying, or that the Genly mm-hmm. was saying that the society, because they weren't a sexual species most of the time, like they didn't have an impulse for war, even though he comes down there and they're on the brink of war, which is not like, I don't really. I, don't, I didn't get the impression that they were on the brink of war. Over the they, valley. They, they, they were. Of the territorial they were, dispute. Okay. Arguing over. Sinoth Valley a, or something. A, yeah, a piece oh, okay. of land. I think the point was they hadn't yet pushed to war. Which is weird because there's, I feel like there's other things that people would go to war for, just like greed or racial differences. Okay, so what I found really interesting about that is I think they were on the verge of an evolutionary shift. And I think that's what was kind of being portrayed here. That because of their ambisexuality, it was taking them a much longer time in their duration of being on this planet to evolve to that point. So there wasn't this hormonal push. You know, it wasn't testosterone. Yeah, there wasn't testosterone constantly raging through people's bodies. Um, that was that would cause them to be aggressive and confrontational. And yet we had the one cousin of the king he was different than everybody else. And so I think that's what was kind of being represented here. It was that, um, well, and if you get into this whole series of books, the whole premise is, and it gets into panspermia, um, humans were seeded on a bunch of planets throughout the universe by the humanoids. 
the heinous, right? Yeah, I think so. And then, and that was a mass experiment by this other species. And then they something happened to them. And I haven't read the series, so I don't know what happened to them. But they went away. The Hainish went away. And then a group found Earth, Terra. And they were in, they could do interstellar travel. And they taught Earth how to do interstellar travel. And then you have the ecumen who are out finding these seeded humanoids throughout the, the universe. Mm-hmm. And seeing how they're different and how they all each involved on their planet. And when we're talking about um, winter, which is the name of the, the yeah. planet that, that they're on currently, they evolved very uniquely. And that evolution... Or they were modified, I think, was one of the theories. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was Yeah, implied that, that they might have been modified. It was modified an experiment. They yeah, yeah. It was all Since they're the unique. Yeah. Um, but it... it I think if you look at winter and you put it in a glacial, constant glacial cycle, things go much slower. And I think that's the implication. They did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. The the evolution of these humanoids was slow. And so I, and I think it just so happens that they came across winter at a time when they were actually looking at an evolutionary shift. And that's, what the implication was. Because it, it talks about how hard it is for them to travel. And, and, and they do it at 25 miles an hour. Yeah. Good God, I would and shoot they're myself. Just fine. <laughs> well, and, and, and it talks about, and it was the one thing that, it, it, now that you've said that, made me think about it. And when I first read it, I was like, ugh. And that's that they talk about the fact that siblings are permitted to produce an offspring. They can't, vow cameras, so they can't be married to each other to be the equivalent um, and they cannot produce any further offspring. They can only have the one. Um, and that's because you have to think about these are probably people who live in very limited locations mm-hmm. and cross pollination between hearts may not have been easy before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other point, and we had discussed it yeah. shortly, was when you are raising children and the reproductive urge is more primal you put two children in a in a space together, they're teenagers, we'll say, it's going to be impossible to control that. Um, and so, okay, we're going to acknowledge as a society, this is very likely going to happen. And since they don't choose when they reproduce, Pregnancy happens more often, I think it, it says yeah. in there, that pregnancy is much more almost guaranteed. They said that their population was pretty stable because they did have, they could use contraceptives. Yeah. They didn't have to. Yeah, they could choose to use contraceptives, but I, I think the implication is they they go out of the period of being able to reproduce pretty quickly. And as you get older, I think the implication was they were more likely to have present masculine during chemering than they were female. Um, so they don't want to discourage pairings earlier on when there's a stronger possibility of a fe- of female representation in the camera. If I remember that correctly, and you guys are both looking at me like I'm crazy. No, no, no. I, I remember them saying like it was about the same for normal humans because it was like after 40, it was really hard to conceive okay. a, a child and it was unlikely to survive. Yeah, I thought I thought it, they were saying that the reason why it was, uh, I, I could have sworn it said something about them being that after 40, they're the female presenting becomes a little bit harder that males can still potentially reproduce, but they can't. They I just t- took to it to be like, cycle. just like with real humans. It's like, 
Oh, female yeah. autistic. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, too, that I thought of when you guys were talking about this in regards to the whole um, violence over the valley, I think Jen Lee, like right as he's leaving Carhide, doesn't he find out at that point that the king is pregnant? Yes. So the king has probably been pregnant for a little while then. They just yes. didn't announce it, mm-hmm. which yes. means that he would have been in female mode. And Carhide is the aggressor in the war because they attack the border city that Jen Lee's staying at. So maybe part of it, too, is because they're more on the verge of war because the king himself is stuck in the sexual mode while he's pregnant. Yeah. I actually got the implication that the cousin was the Ty- cause was, of... Wasn't his name Tide or something like yeah, that? Yeah, was the cause yeah. of the war. But the, but he the could have been manipulating also, him because of the the king was hormonal. pregnant and went I into totally missed the king was pregnant so went into um what do they call that in in Victorian times when you when you went in when isolation you were pregnant. Uh, yeah going to isolation so the king was put into isolation mm. and so he needed somebody his prime minister mm. I keep doing air quotes and I'm sorry um, <laughs> no one can see the air quotes I know I know that he, he needed the the somebody as the prime minister to run the country and he chose his cousin rather than Esterman yeah um, that's true I keep forgetting that that cousin was there and the, yeah. and the cousin was the aggressive one and yeah and, cousin was a dick and, yeah and that there was some potential anomaly to him in yeah the aggression because and, and they, it, the Ursula Le Guin, she said very specifically, he did things differently. He was an orator. He was a talker. He came across as yeah, very... Yeah, he was like a demagogue. Yeah, he of. was very political. He was Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's where... For those who couldn't hear what she said, she said he was Trump. And that's the thing I found most interesting about this book. Yeah, that's Written where it felt really timely. Sixty-nine. And it was talking about double speak and language. It was talking about countries using fear and yeah. Oh my god! It was it was at times it was really hard to read. It's like wow, you know, there are people who saw all this coming, and we know this. People I mean, it's, it's been happening throughout history, so yeah, it's it, not it, even. It has. It, it's one of the best things about science fiction is if you want to get a sense of what could happen in the future, read read science fiction. Yeah. Um, particularly the, the higher level, like literary science fiction. Well, it's 1984, and it is, and, and a lot worlds, of this brave new world. Fahrenheit 451. I mean, just look at history; it just keeps repeating. Yeah. So it's like, and and you know the the famous saying: if you don't learn from history, it's it's doomed to repeat. And clearly, we're not learning from history because we've managed. How to can allow, we learn from it when we just get sanitized? Uh, exactly, well, the dumbing down of 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 people and and this superficial education that we're getting. And, and, and now, my God, the, the, what they're doing to education right now is, is fucking horrifying. terrifying. We're going to pretend that nobody is of color. We're going to pretend that nobody is homosexual. We can't even say these words it, to children because somebody might get uncomfortable. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Just... Enough to make me my head spin and pop right off because I. Oh. It makes you angry. It just makes me sad. It makes me hurt. Oh, it well, makes me angry. And, okay, angry so, for sure. Yeah. And then there's like that helpless anger where it's mm. like just. Mm, so stop them. For context, I do tutoring when I'm not at the library. I do tutoring, and so what? You know, the reason why it makes me hurt is because I am helping these kids through things like social studies. And, like, one kid that I've been helping, 
We are going over the Middle East. Uh, okay, so what I was saying, because we got interrupted, was that one of one of the children that I tutor a lot, um, they're homeschooled, most of them, um, is going through the Middle East right now and is discussing forcing groups together that normally wouldn't be together, ignoring, uh, you know, the ethnic groups and where they actually lay in terms of then taking care of them. And... It particularly for the way that the, the homeschooling is done when it's done online, um, I've noticed a lot of the times the kids are just reading and answering questions. They maybe have a quiz that if they get through all of their lessons real quick, they could possibly do it all in the same day or two days. And so there isn't a lot of retention and thinking. And it's not they're not being taught critical skills. It's regurgitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a certain level of like awareness that is just being be taught in children it's it's not but that's there. even happening at the school level so no, it's, I know, it's yeah. not just homeschooling it's the school level that's where my thanks to is. school boards and parental control yeah standardized testing thanks to standardized it's testing just, everything yeah. is about regurgitation not critical thinking. and removing critical thinking from the education process and where teachers are not allowed to present an alternative thought process even if they're just playing devil's advocate where they're just saying okay you're all saying this but what about this yeah and then all of a sudden a a kid goes home and and says the teacher said this at school and the parents freak the fuck out it's like nobody's being told okay i'm gonna present an alternative point of view because i want to incite discussion so that we can talk about this and we need to be uncomfortable we need to discuss yeah it's like do you should you be comfortable with slavery exactly or colonization like and and should i as a white person go holy fuck i'm embarrassed i'm ashamed i'm my it's like our ancestors did shitty things exactly. and it's possible to be in the wrong and, and it's like and it's, i don't get to say yeah but i'm irish i was an indentured servant when i came over which we were. We didn't. One one part of the family came over rich. The rest of the family came over dirt fucking poor. And we, for the most part, did not own slaves that I know of. And the family one split. Side of the family. Pure family. <laughs> right. The family split over the Civil War. Half went to Texas. Half went to Oregon. So that they didn't have to engage in what was happening. And they didn't have to fight each other. So that's my heritage. So can I do the stupid white person thing of saying, well, I, my family didn't own slaves? Yes, I could do that. But no, that's not how that works. White people stole people of color from their homeland, dragged them across the ocean. And oh, if you survived, wow, good job. If you didn't, oh, we'll just dump you over the side and you're gone forever. By the way, I apologize. I was not expecting this round of conversation. So <laughs> did not include this in the disclaimer. <laughs> but, but the point, the point being, as, as, as white people, we don't get to dismiss no. what our entire yeah. race did, whether yeah. it was directly our race or not. And we're still benefiting it from it. Exactly. So it's like we yeah. can't just pretend that it never happened. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I can't even remember where this started from and how it went here. But The children, the children, schooling. Yeah. <laughs> Controlling. This is one of the things I'm really passionate about is, is yeah. education. And it's one of the things I've been screaming about. The, Amberly, her siblings have heard this from me all, all for their entire lives. The dumbing down of 
Um, and did you hear safety. too? I think there were some states where there were at least parents like pushing to have cameras installed in classrooms oh, so God, that they I could heard that one. Holy fuck. watch what the teachers are teaching, but also then they can also just spy on all the kids too. It's like, oh what my the God. Fuck? Yeah. I haven't really heard of it much. So maybe it's not something that's really gaining but, traction, but know, even there, just there the idea is scary. In Florida, Texas, are, they're terrified. Because they're being allowed to be sued. Them. Yeah. Them. Individually, the teacher. $10,000 a And people will sue over anything stupid. Exactly. And it's just... I want a free $10,000. Oh, what she taught in that classroom. It just made me uncomfortable. I'm sorry, teachers. No. No, no. I mean, oh, I just... Like, oh, I'm sorry. sorry, teachers. Like, yeah. like, like, I'm sorry. To be a teacher right now is oh. not easy and it has not been easy it is not getting easier and i am and sorry that not enough is being done to protect you and what you are trying to do to better society yeah oh so, it's, I just, i'm sorry yeah it's horrific and and, I, and and that's what makes what we're reading now so timely because they talk about how these two societies so there was the Carhide, Carhide, and oh, you say it so beautifully. Oh, Orgorian, 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 and how Orgorian? those okay. two societies control. Yeah, because you've got the authoritarians. People. Like the minute yeah. he said, "Oh, they, they like something about order," I was like, "Oh no, sir, don't go into that country. Yeah. It's going to be authoritarian." And then it totally was. Um, and then I don't really know what Carhide was supposed to be like a monarchy, monarchy but also kind of like a dictatorship too, because it was like the king controlled everything. He just didn't control their. Well, that would be a true monarchy. True monarchy. So yeah. going prior to parliamentary monarchies, yeah, so, which is what England is now. We're clearly looking at England and Russia in these two. That's that's what I saw was England and Russia in these two, um, which again, really timely to what what we're dealing with right now, and and the fact that Russia's playing some serious is playing some stupid. Putin, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, please, I'm Putin. not. I'm so pleased with the people that are risking everything. For me, I'm I'm 53, and when I was a child, it was constant. You should be so grateful. You can say whatever you want. You can you can say bad things about the president. You can say bad things about the Constitution. You can say bad that you can say whatever you want. If you were in the USSR right now, if you said something bad. You whispered it in your house. You didn't say it out loud because then you would end up in Siberia. But I don't think the Ukrainians are ending up in Siberia. I think they're just ending up fucking dead. Do you mean the Russians? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You said they're Ukrainian. No, no. When when Russia is going into Ukraine, mm -hmm. it would have been during the USSR times, they would have just taken you and thrown you off into Russia. And if you survived, you survived. If you oh. didn't, you didn't. I think that was kind of the representation of the prison um, in, in, in the uh, book. The toy makers. Or, well, in, oh, this in, too, in yeah. the book. It yeah. wasn't and a prison. It was a voluntary farm. <laughs> I know. With air quotes. <laughs> Double speed. So, well, okay. So, and that is actually representation of uh, and this goes back to the book I was reading, and I, I have come across it uh, with teaching. So uh, communist countries do those voluntary farms. I mean, it's just a labor and, camp, though. I mean, yeah, it's yes, not, but, I don't but, think it's only communist countries. No, 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 no. It, it is, it, they call them farms in communist countries. Both China, when, they, uh -huh. when Mao was in control, and Russia and the Ukraine experienced before Ukraine separated, and it's actually been a struggle for them, in high agricultural areas, they will set up these communal farms 
where you would go and you would help produce, and I'm air quoting all of this, uh, help produce food for the rest of the country. They don't succeed. The ones under Mao's control failed, failed miserably, awfully. They never took off. The ones in Ukraine, as per the book I had mentioned earlier and read last night, failed miserably. They are still trying to actually um, recover from the damage that those communal communist farms did. It is a thing that is a direct reference to something that Mao was doing in the 60s. They would have known about it in the 60s because Mao had his... Ah, what was... These communal farms that you're mentioning, are they prisons for prisoners? They never classified them as prisons, but it was that group of people... Or was it an attempt at communism? Because, I mean, like, the voluntary farm is a prison camp. Okay, so to understand communism, and I'm not talking about Marxism here, and I think you're perceiving communism as more as Marxism, where people voluntarily go and they farm... For the greater good of the community. That would be more Marxism. Communism was... In terms of Mao and Russia. Communism is, well, I don't like what you're saying, so we need you here at this communal farm. So it's And you farming. had no choice. You had to go. Whereas if you were in Russia, if you were really troublesome, that's when you went off to Siberia, and that was more of the prison camps. But the communal farms, it was to segregate the kind of troublesome portion of society or, or the poor or whatever and put them into this, these communal farms to labor in order to provide support and, for and the, the greater society. And that you really couldn't manage. I mean, how would that fail, though? Because then if you're just trying to separate people and get rid of them, if they don't they work and people die, they weren't well, do they really food. care? Do they just want no, to get rid did. of them? They, were, they, they, they needed it. Oh. And yeah. in, 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 in communist times, when Russia was, was communist, um, there were long food lines. You stood, and that's where a lot of American societies, we can't go, you can't go with communism. You can't go with societal good. You can't. Well, they don't. And, it's always so, socialism. They say socialism. Right, as that's, that's, that's because socialism got lumped with yeah, communism. They just and put it in, all together. Socialism, Marxism, has never been truly tried. Because every time any country has attempted to go into Marxism or socialism, communism has set in. And that's and, where it's controlling the society rather than society willingly coming together and saying, we're going to do everything for the greater good. Yeah. So and and but yeah. yeah. So the camp, in terms of the book, because they say at one point, could you just up and leave? Yes. Or are you yeah. going to survive leaving? No. And that's the same thing that was happening. Although in they the, did chase after the two guys. I think. So. Was, yeah, but they even said when they were chasing after them, nah, they're, they're not, not really, really trying, trying very hard, hard to find us. Um. And so I know for the camps, particularly with Mal and I, and and like I said, the book that I read or am reading about Ukraine implied that this was the same way. The farms that were in China during Mao's era and when Ukraine was still part of the USSR, you didn't leave the camp. You didn't leave the farm. But the farms weren't actually successful in producing. Um, I don't know the details as to why exactly they were not successful in producing, but they were not doing what they were supposed to do. It was essentially somewhere to put people and force them to do labor-intensive work without actually caring for those people. 
And, um, and if the goal was never to uh, uh, shift out upper society with lower society so that everyone is doing equal. their portion of the communal good, and then you just keep, they, they, you know, your workers die off and you bring in more. Your workers die off. So it wasn't that the workers were coming in and out of these these, these farms, farms. They were leaving them in body bags, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or if they so, even bothered yeah. with body bags, I know you were being. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it was weird for me to read this book and having Ukraine fighting so hard to not be dragged back into Russia right now. It's, it, cause this was, yeah. And it's not that this was a direct reflection on what's happening right now. Yeah. It, it was just a timeliness of this so, book was written when communism was hard and heavy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it, it, the recognition is as we cycle back a bit. Yeah. Because in 1969... Cycled back a lot. Yeah, because I mean, uh, if I remember correctly, which war was going on during... Is that in Vietnam? Vietnam. So this was probably... Vietnam was the inspiration when she was looking at this. Um... But then she was putting a more naturalistic spin on it, yes. which, I, which is the, where we get into ambisexuality and, and how interesting that was as a comparison to the society we're living here yeah. um, and going through. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, think, I think there's definitely unequivocally inspirations from all of that. Well, and I think particularly the interesting thing was that the... Ekumen could not come in until both countries agreed. No, no. I no, thought, I thought no. it was they... One or the other. Oh, but That's I, why he started in Carhide, and when Carhide went, yeah, because Ty was against it. Were, yeah. And then he goes to... Gregorian? Yeah, you can say it. I can't say it. I don't know. Gregorian? I could be wrong. Gregorian? <laughs> no, I like it. it. I mean, it sounds better than anything I'd attempt to say, yeah. so... Yeah, that's why I make you say it. <laughs> You're good at translating all these words and speaking them verbally. I'm not good at it. I don't I don't like doing that process. But anyway, um, he just had to get one or the other to oh, agree. Okay. Well, I thought the implication was that they would then fall... Yeah, the idea because- was that... Once one comes down, then Estra, the others will follow. So right, he just Estra needed one person. View was as long as one country says yes, and as all long the as his ship fall. was guaranteed safety by that one country, then it could come down. It didn't yeah, need yeah. like the whole yeah. planet to pledge yeah. safety. And yeah. but then I also got the impression that they kind of pushed the process. Um, that 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 I wasn't um, following the rules as closely as he should have been. Yeah. Um, through his training. I, I would have liked to have known more about more his training. rules. I would have, yeah. I would have liked his, his rules outlined, but I think the whole point was you're supposed to get there. You're supposed to immerse yourself. And then whatever works best. Yeah. And then you go forward and make decisions and, and hopefully get people to cooperate. Yeah. Very likely they're not going to cooperate the first time and you're going to die on this planet and, and never know anything else. That, that was the thing with me with when it came to, to I was, um, Wow, the decision to sacrifice your entire life. Potentially. Potentially. To go to this planet and say, hey, I've got this really cool thing. You want to do this? And you've got no companion, no yeah. guaranteed companion. Yeah. It's only you. Um, and your, your, best, your best outcome is that the person who's going to follow after you is going to have an easier time. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, it's, and, and you already know that all people that you used to know are dead. Like, yeah, unequivocally. Like, there's yeah, no because question that's about how it. that's how interstellar travel would yeah. work. Is is the minutes and the time? And yeah, I, I'm not going to get into relativity. 
because I don't really understand it on on broader concept. But I'll buy you the baby book about it. Okay. <laughs> Remember those, those signs? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's one on relativity. No, I get it. You know, it, time tra- time passes differently when you're moving close to the speed of light. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, on a less political note, when I first started reading this, it's really interesting because she introduced the concepts of the ambisexual really early on. Mm-hmm. And I, I grasped it instantly. And then I was so indignant that she made the choice to use the pronoun he instead of they. And then I realized, no, the comfortable use of they is a much newer concept. Technically, it's a much older concept. Then we shifted our language to he and she, and now we're trying to shift it back back to they. And so... What were you going to say? Yeah. I was going to say, but also it was from Jen Lee's perspective. No, no, I know. And, right. And, and, yeah. But at first I was offended that oh. Le Guin had made the cho- active choice to make it that... It was he, he. she, rather, and that, and that well, the dominant was he. he. And then I realized that, well, the challenge actually here is while... And, and he taught in the main character, Jen Lee, it talks about it. While he's chosen he, he actually notices the femininity of each of the people more than he does their masculinity. And I was like, okay, I get why they wasn't used because it wasn't common use, common mm-hmm. language at the in 1969. Yeah. And she had to make a choice and she wanted to make this commentary about lack of masculinity and how people respond as opposed to forcing femininity on everyone. So I got it, but like, I just wanted to express that at first I was like so offended that it was he. And I was like, really? You couldn't take that risk and do they? And I but it had to process yeah. It was not a thing. I had to remind myself of when this took place as to the fact that if, if but I think. But also, Jen Lee thought that feminine qualities were like lesser in some way and that the people weren't quite feminine. They were more than feminine. So that's mm-hmm. why he had to use he. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a bug. Oh, I was like, <laughs> she's something to say. <laughs> um, so I thought that was interesting. And, and I'm curious, do you guys think if this was written today? Oh, it would be they then. Do you think it would be they then? I don't know. I think it would still be he. I think it would still be he because he is still seeing them as gendered, even though they are technically ambivalent, uh, ambisexual. <laughs> um, so I think it would either start out as he, and then as it progresses and he comes to terms with the fact that the character is actually as feminine as that masculine, would be a good right. then yeah. it would be they. Switch, that switch would be very interesting. But I, I do think that, yeah, if she's writing him as a character he. where he does not quite understand the culture, he is but going to assign a gender. that we're still in a society that existed in 1969. Whereas we're actually, and, and this was something that no one in 1969 would have anticipated where we were, we, we would start going to people wanting to be referred to as they or them. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that if it were written now, there would be an acknowledgement that our society is shifting verbally again, mm-hmm. which verbally, verbal transitions happen all the time. Um, so I would argue that it would be they, them, but I would like it written where it started he and shifted to they them. Yeah. With throughout the writing. I I, th- I think that would have that the vagueness of what happens on the ice. And so I think this directly correlates to what, mm-hmm. what you didn't like it, what was going on in the ice. You didn't think it was really covered in, in I just depth. I didn't like yeah. I guess how she did it. I I 
I expected more fiction into and, that portion of yeah, the book. I just, and that's where the science was the ice. It's like I kind of understood what she was saying. I just I execution wise, I guess I didn't really find it that amazing, I guess. And I just was expecting yeah. more because it's like a Hugo and a Nebula award winner. Did you just slap yourself in the face <laughs> to get that book? Yes. <laughs> it sounded almost painful. <laughs> It was. <laughs> it was on my lip. Oh, gross! Yeah. Okay, so we keep mentioning bugs. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little disclaimer here. In California, it was recently passed a law that we have we cannot put compostable materials in our regular trash. We have to compost. So we have this little composting bucket in our kitchen. In our we kitchen record. that that the state provided for us, and we are having terrible problems with um fruit flies fruit flies we, we we are they are everywhere they're driving us crazy so we are in the midst of trying to figure out how we can get this situation which by control. the way if anyone has any freaking recommendations please tell us please please good, i think if you just gone. get a lot of spiders and release them into your house oh i'd like that <laughs> the rest of my family would not praying like mantises I, oh, yeah yeah i think it's your cats would goof. Eat the oh, praying right. mantises, though. Yeah, no, the praying mantises would get up high. <laughs> Trust me, we oh, watch the ones we own. Some sort of predatory insect that can prey on flies, just infest your house with them. <laughs> and I will tell you that there's this thing, because I was looking into it, because, again, I put out apple cider, apple vinegar mm-hmm. in, in my room, and you put dish soap in it, and you put a lot of dish soap in there. I have caught, like... There's, uh, there's probably 15 in the bottom of my little bowl of apple yeah, cider vinegar. Yeah, I'm my little apple thing yeah, that I bought. Working that good. Yeah. We need to do one out here. The thing yeah. is, we got to keep the cats out of it because we can't can do apple like, Don't they make those? Obviously, it'd be more of a, might be, the opening might be too big, but they make like wasp traps with soda where you just she like. Has, she has a gnat trap. Or a, a, the a fruit fly trap, yeah, yeah. It, it it it's the same mixture in it because I can add the mixture to it, but it's it's rounded and it looks like an apple, and so the idea is that they go through the little holes mm-hmm. and then they get trapped in the liquid. Um, but no animals can get into it because it it's it's like a little apple. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so there you go. That's the our drama, and then and then the fact that the weather here is always warm makes the composting happen very quickly, and then the bugs come very quickly. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, but yes, I did just slap my lip because a bug landed on me and I just like smacked the things without thinking because they're constantly hovering. So, we'll, yes. We'll... Okay. We had to take a quick pause there. Uh, I do not remember what we were discussing. You slapped no. yourself in the face. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for living this. Bugs and, and, and composting. They, he versus the they, they them. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything else we wanted to discuss? Anything? One of the things that I was curious about in the Mm -hmm. book, because she mentions like war and that sort of like how the ambisexuality doesn't or hadn't up until then really led to wars. I was curious and she never brought it up about how that would like affect art and such. Like, did they even have it? Did their cold society not really even allow them to? I think it was actually mentioned in passing, but I don't remember exactly. I mean, I just remember that they had radio was one thing, but like, yeah, nothing about. Yeah. Uh, and I think the buildings were described as Carhide was really random. Yeah. And then, or Gorion was really ordered. And soaring and yeah, I think. But they were soaring because of the snow that would rise in the winter time. 
I got the impression that... Like, culturally. Like, art, sculpture? No, because they weren't history. very visually oriented. Because they talked yeah. about the fact that it's very oral history oriented, not written history. Well, they had written history. It's just that... But it wasn't the, what they were right, oriented to. No, but, to, but so they were really good at the, the, the oral, oral history. history. Um, honestly, actually, and I, I completely... I had space that I was going to mention that. Uh, the implication I got was that it was art was oral history... Because I really liked my favorite part of the entire book were all the little short stories within it. Um, it could have just been an entire book on those short stories, and I I would have eaten that up. I love those chapters. I don't know why. Did you like them? The short stories? Yeah, they were interesting. Yeah, I feel like they added a little extra to the book. Yeah, but I feel like that's, that's could have done the without art. the incest one, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was a part of their culture, you know, so... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't... Yes, it was incest, because you have to take it there literally. It was yeah. incest, but I just... This so, is where it gets tetchy. Incest is a social construct. So, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to... How I... Because at first, I had your reaction to it. I was like, ugh. Well, it's I, just like, meh. Didn't well, have okay, to know so that. First, Although, then it was kind of... Came up again. I was like, oh, okay. At first, I was like, oh, my God, ew. Like, we don't do that. And then I stopped and I went, okay, wait. But let's think about... And, and what I came to is we have praying mantises. And I know how people tend to breed praying mantises. And sometimes you manage to breed them from different ooths. Sometimes you end up managing to time it that you get them from the same ooth. Um, an ooth being an egg sac. Egg sac, sorry. <laughs> uh and for all of you who aren't praying mantis <laughs> experts. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, there are certain animals in nature who do have sibling reproduction. Mm-hmm. Most animals mm-hmm. in nature, you're going to reproduce with whomever is available at the time. Well, and then there's the other fact that... And I, I think the key thing that was mentioned is that they're not allowed to do the bow cameraing. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that two half-siblings are actually, the two interacting with each other are ending up having a, an offspring, as opposed to two, like, full siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sounded like bow cameraing is not very common. Is the implication yeah. that I got is is it's very unique to or not as I common. I got the impression it was common. Like I think he mentions that it was something that wasn't I like think, legally recognized, but it was a common practice. I think it was common, but to not to reproduce with others was okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. There, yeah, there, there was there, no taboo on like going to a Kemmer house. And, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think, I think the implication, and, and they were clearly, because it says unequivocally that child to parent is a no. Yeah, no generational. In, in the way that I took that is, is because you're not getting diverse DNA that way. You're just having a repetition of DNA, which puts risk on certain things developing. So, um, that's where I got to the point where I was like, okay, I can understand why you're doing this given the environment they live in given the difficulty to travel from hearth to hearth that you're still potentially like 
spreading and diversifying your DNA, but it's just not possible if, if, if you've got limited options. Right. Okay. So your let's, let's, let's put this into reality of situations that exist right now. So if you have a zoo and you have um, lions that reproduce, the zoos will keep those lions together. So you have a male and a female lion, they reproduce, they have a child. That child grows up, those lions are still together. Um, the male lion will then attempt, assuming that the child, the baby lion is female, um, the male lion will attempt to reproduce with, with the child. There's, there's nothing in, in animal world that's going, yeah, that's going to stop that. His drive is reproduction under all circumstances must reproduce. So the zoos will control it by by changing out. No. Oh. Birth control. Ah. The animals will do the reproduction process. There's just no way for pregnancy to take. Yeah. Because they can't always swap them out. Yeah. Um You'd like have a gigantic enclosure with a bunch of divisions for the well, different they, lines. They, they do back up spaces and, 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 and swap them outside. Yeah. So, or they, but that's where reproduction is allowed. They then yeah. swap them around to different zoos, but that can't always happen. Yeah. You, there, there's not always a spot for these the young animals to go to, so they stay at the zoo that they're at. Yeah. But they're going to stay in their family unit. In the wild, that family unit's going to breed how it's going to breed. Yeah. And that's where you have, you know, lions that'll come in from other... And those lions will go in and they'll murder all the babies. All the babies, because that will put the females into a reproductive cycle again because the babies are gone, they're no longer nursing, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it in nature, animals reproduce with their children, with their siblings, all the time. Yeah. And it's when you get the random in and outs mm -hmm. where you the, you know, two prides will run into each other or you know, two or, you know, a lone one will come yeah, up. Yeah, and with wolves, they used to, the, 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 the idea used to be that only the alpha, which alpha isn't a real thing in wolf society, only the alphas reproduced. The, well, then they started doing some genetic testing and finding out that, that the females were running off with the other wolves and, 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 and having fun. And they would sneak around and, and do it because reproduction is reproduction. Yeah. You have the drive, you're going to do it. And I really like that aspect of this book. The yeah. fact that they re they they took human reproduction to a more base level, to yeah. a more naturalistic type thing. Yeah. It's something that I've wondered throughout my life. What would my life be like if I had a drive to reproduce? I would hate it. Oh god. I would hate it. What you mean like outside the normal human need? Yeah, like a cat. Okay, we used to have like a cat. going into heat. Going yeah. into heat, exactly. Yeah. And that's what cameraing is. It's yeah. going into heat to put it into our. And oh my god, that would be fucking awful. I mean, Can, are you guys familiar with the fix? The Fan fix? fix? ABO? No, no, oh, that's not what because... I dove into. Thank God. The fanfics of what? ABO fanfic. What does ABO stand for? <laughs> Alpha, beta, omega. Oh no. 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 It, I'm not surprised. You've never heard of it? No. No. Oh, Lord. I think, because again. I only found out what it was because I thought it was about blood types, so I clicked on it. Because <laughs> you were interested. And let me tell you, it is not, not about blood types at all. <laughs> so, my experience with fanfic is very, 
limited to one fanfic little world, and oh. then it's come up in the past. It's supernatural. It's the only one I. And ever you really haven't read. run into an ABO fic. I and, have, oh. but it, it wasn't. It wasn't labeled that way. So. so the only thing that I've ever come across is breeding kinks. I've seen those too. Breeding kinks. Breeding kinks. Yeah. You, you can't just throw it out there and describe it. Um. So. Some people the have look to on her face. She is turning red as we uh, yeah. sit oh, here. This one is a weird one to have to describe. Um, so a breeding kink is people who don't necessarily want to reproduce, but they like the thrill of potentially reproducing. Um, not sure how this is different from just having sex. It uh, Because increased risk. And there are some people who like being pregnant and like the idea of impregnating others, but don't actually like the result of the child or have the desire they for the child. They want to have all the fun with none of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's, it's... So how does a breeding kink work then? Is it just unprotected sex? I... Can you give me details? <laughs> She's like, I really don't want to know. I don't know. It's more like, I don't know that I know enough about it because oh, it is okay. not... Um, and, and we don't want to judge other people's kinks. Well, no, it's not that. It's it's not a. Uh, but are you like so? You guys have never heard of ABA, or like no. you've heard of it? No. Do you I'm know not. the mechanics of it? No. Okay. I'm assuming based off of alpha, beta, omega, it's like. So betas are usually like neutral, yeah. like regular humans, and then alphas are the dominant one um, in the relationship. So usually the penetrator, and then the omega are ones that. Um, depending on the author, can get pregnant even when male, or sometimes they're sterile if they're male, or they can be female and, you know, then they're fertile. Um, and omegas will go into heats every, at whatever period interval the author chooses. Okay. And for some authors, the male, the alphas, which are usually male, not all the time, will go into like ruts where, again, they have the sudden and intense need to have sex so reading this i was like this almost feels like a precursor to the Probably. abo fanfic so, um trope to clarify because i looked it up to make sure i the breeding board. kink yes so Are you on web md yes so am i so a breeding <laughs> fetish is a strong attraction to the idea of getting or getting someone else pregnant frequently this fetish involves a person with a penis ejaculating into someone with a uterus breeding them uh, uh, people with a breeding fetish generally enjoy the risky feeling of potential permanent consequences from a sexual act. So the exchange of bodily fu- fluids and you might get an STD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They may also enjoy a feeling of power exchange where one partner is submitting to the other. To clarify the difference between a breeding fetish or breeding kink versus a pregnancy fetish is a pregnancy fetish is when someone is attracted to someone being pregnant while as a breeding fetish fetish is actually focused on the impact of impregnation. So. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and Take and, that what you will. And because this is the thing in our household, Amber, what's a fetish? Mm. We've already Not that over fetish this is, I know, we're going to bring it up again. <laughs> Not that fetish is a thing in our household, but the definition of fetish. <laughs> discussing it. Yeah. Okay. So, for those who have not listened to previous episodes... What is the difference between a fetish and a kink? A kink is something that you enjoy but do not require for sex. A fetish is something that typically you require in order to have completion in sex. So if you have a foot fetish? 
then you require interaction with feet in order to achieve, let's say, completion or arousal. Arousal and or completion. For some, it's just required for arousals. For others, it can go to the point where they require it for completion. Uh, Whereas if you have a kink for feet... You you enjoy interacting with them and you would like doing that thing, but it's not a requirement in order for you to obtain arousal or completion. So there you go. Now that we have talked about everything that I did not put into that disclaimer... And this episode's gonna blow up like red, white, and royal blue, and I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, I'm sorry, thank you. <laughs> but that's what I liked about this book. It was thought provoking. Mm-hmm. It was very thought provoking. Mm. So originally Martin was gonna be in this episode with us, but something came up and he wasn't gonna be able to. And when we first when I first started reading it, <laughs> I started talking to him about it, and I'm like, this book does remind me why not a lot of people get into science fiction reading. And that's because they get exposed to books like this. Like they're told, oh, you must read this. But when you were reading this book, it could be so hard to figure out what is language that is created for the intent of the culture versus what is just like high level vocabulary. Oh, and this this oh. writer, she doesn't she doesn't play games with her words. She used words in this book that I have never heard before. Yeah. Like the alien words, right? No. no. They were like, oh, I don't know if I have any of them marked. I don't think I have marked any of them either. That's one of the things I love about e-books. I like that she, had, she used Rufus. I don't see that word used very much for the reddish brown color of the moon. Mm, yeah. It's like, ooh, I like that one. I haven't seen that one in a while. I don't think I marked it. Although she used it like twice and I was like, oh, when it's an unusual word like that, I don't like it when they keep repeating it. Hello, Murphy. That is my foot. I am trying to think if I can find one that just, like, is a good, like, I I just, like, this isn't. Okay, so while she's looking at that, I love life water. Oh. Do you know what life water is? It was the alcoholic drink. It's whiskey. Oh. Yeah. Because the origins of whiskey is, um, uska. Breath, breath, which translates to water of life. Um, I'm like, oh, look at that, look at that. I like it, like water. <laughs> it's whiskey. It's my buddy whiskey right there in the book. <laughs> it's there, I love it. And that is one of the What is whiskey made from? Uh, whiskey is fermented. Good <laughs> God. I can't believe I don't know that. And this is where Martin was supposed to be part of this. He actually has Uska... The Brett, Brett, I can't say it now. I listened to it like 15 times last night, so Ow. I can say it today. He has it tattooed on his hand. Oh. Um, along with his tealings, which tealings is a whiskey um, on his on his hand. This tealings symbol on his hand. Okay, um, so this is the best example I can come up with. It's not the greatest example because there was definitely like higher like level words. But, okay. I told him that I was not forbidden, but not a but not expected to use proverbial, 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 I don't get that word out of my mouth, speech on a non-allied planet and asked him to keep what he learned from his own people, at least until I could discuss what I had done with my colleagues on the ship. He assented and kept his word. He never said or wrote anything considering our silent conversations. Um, even now that I've read that out, like it's just like infringing, assented, proverbial. Yeah, those, were- those aren't. 
Typical words. But those aren't low level. Uh, Estrovan grew Tacturian. Taciturn? Taciturn? Taciturn, yeah, and kept my talk off short. And I said, at last, after a direct rebuff, Harf, I've said something wrong again. Please tell me what it is. It's it's not... not Most people wouldn't know what Taciturn is. Yes. They And they would say it like she did. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> terrible at reading things out loud. So, um, corn, barley, malt, rye, wheat, cereal grains. I wonder if they even have those on, a, on their planet. It doesn't matter. They would have had some sort of a cereal grain. Yeah. Um, I think they, they, there was some sort of... They definitely like had some agriculture. Thing they, they ate. So the one thing that is a common trope in all science fiction is the first thing any human society does is get to a planet and start fermenting things to see if it can make you drunk. It, it's it's an ongoing thing throughout all science fiction. Um, not all. Hence the pregnancies in Freedom's Landing series. Yeah, yeah. Because you 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 make a distillery. That's first thing that every person does when they get to a planet is you make a, a distillery and see if it will make you drunk. I mean, it has its uses. Yeah, beyond yeah. drunkenness. Yeah, but sterilizing. Yeah. Anyway, medicinal. Yeah. All right. So, do we have anything else? Have we covered everything so far? Uh, were we surprised at the end and the brother uh, Estrovan and what was it Ackle and then their son As, uh, I know it's, it's uh, Asif it's like A-S-T-H-E or something like that no, I thought it was A-K-A-L well they had like six names each right but when when I goes to visit Estervan's mm-hmm. family. He discovers that the reason, because uh, Estervan felt a connection to I, and it was because I reminded him of his brother. No, it's because his mind speak was in his brother's voice. Right, because Estervan reminded him, because all along in this, Estervan was attracted to I. Mm-hmm. And that's because I reminded him of his brother, whom he had had a child with. Yeah, which is why he was no longer at his hearth. Is because he couldn't, because yeah. they wanted to vow Kemmering and they couldn't. And so he right. made the act of choice to go to wherever the king is. And that's how he ended up. Yeah, but I, we, we, I t- you guys are just like looking at me like... I wasn't right. surprised because it's because I... Come across that when I was trying to figure out what the hell the plot was doing when I was struggling, oh, okay. and so I read it, and I, okay. I was, I thought it was kind of cool. I thought that, and and that I could see immediately that, oh, but it didn't really address it. It was just like, okay, yeah, this is where the connection was. Yeah, yeah. You guys are both no. looking at me like I mean, I'm at insane. that point, I I was no longer invested in the story, to be honest. I was like, oh, wait, does that mean that he and his brother had a kid, too? And then I just moved on with my life. But yeah, that's what what that was, is they had a brother. Or had a son. And a brother. Yeah. Well, and the son was was moving into, he was going to inherit everything, Mm -hmm. rather than, than Estervan, because he was, what do they call it? Child of their body? Yeah. So... The brother, the brother, got to put that in air quotes. When they did, when they went into Cameroon, the brother gave birth. So yeah. the brother 
became the, the sibling. The sibling became the feminine of the two, and and so because the brother was of the body of their father, then because their son or their child was I of can't their keep, body. I can't oh my god! Okay, I you're done. Know. We're I'm, done. You guys I, are checked out. We're no, done. no, you didn't checked out. I know. I legitimately, I couldn't. I lost track of. Too many brothers. Too many brothers and sons and bodies there's only and two fathers brothers and, and, and the son brothers. was I mean, from the body the, of the, the father. Got the inheritance, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, don't be angry no, at me. No. Holy shit! <laughs> You're just like we're done, and I'm, I'm just—I well, no, legitimately but, couldn't. I wasn't tracking. Okay. I I, I okay. lost track of which it's one you over. were referring to. It's over. I was just asking if you guys found that interesting. No, Clearly I did not. you did not. No, so I did let's not. Move on. I mean, in retrospect, yeah, I guess, now that I think about it. But at the time, I was just like, alrighty. And then I ended the book, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that one. And now okay. here I am. I mean, I guess it does put the perspective into the other references to incest. Put those into perspective. I mean, I said that sentence really strangely. Yeah. I guess, okay, let me clarify. I guess I was expecting it because the first story we're told is about two siblings who um, have a child. And I just assumed that was one of those. I, I think because they, they used a name that was in the story to talk, talk about S. Raven. So I just assumed the story was about S. Raven. So I already knew that S. Raven had a child so it wasn't see i didn't think that was estriven because that was a story about. i mean they used the same word from, it, it was it about was the same name but yeah. it wasn't yeah. the same person and i didn't know what reference that was until it was like oh estriven is like almost like a location yeah sort yeah. of i just it, uh, what, it, but no that story of the two guys that meet in the cabin that was not estriven and i know the, e, e, right yeah it wasn't theorem yeah, yeah, but but they used a similar word. Theron being a straven. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we haven't used that name in this yeah. entire podcast. <laughs> Theron Hearth or Theron Hart or whatever his yeah. full name yeah. was. Um, also known as. But Esterman. I just assumed that it seemed like pretty straightforward foreshadowing. So, that okay, I wasn't so for surprised. me, up until that point, there had been no talk about a straven having a family other than he would not go home. Well, oh, and okay. so then, well, I mean, he did have his Kemmering, the person who became a foreteller, right? Yeah. All right. I'm. 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 I'm done trying. Which is to kind get of to where I was. Which going is where I got a little confused know. too about the brother thing because, like, I was like thinking of the foreteller dude as you know being the former Kemmerer, whatever the term would be for Estrovin. The the guy who gave him money. That was his. That was who he Kemmer vowed. Yeah. Was. Exactly. Right. So that was really the only person I thought of having as like any sort of relationship with, uh, with Estrovin. So, well, I think when they told this, when, when the story was told of in the old times, yeah. when the two brothers wanted to Kemmering vow, that was supposed to be a reflection of Estrovin and his yeah. brother wanting to Kemmering vow and they couldn't, but then Estrovin went on to find somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I, just, I, was, yeah. I saw that, sh that story is foreshadowing. Also so Estrovin was dead. So at that point I didn't care. <laughs> I saw the, the story is foreshadowing. So I just assumed that Estrovin had a Oh, see, I that. saw that all just as, is is teaching the history of, of at, winter. At first I did, but then as the stories continued, I realized each story led to what, something that was going to happen. It just wasn't always a direct correlation. And so by the time I got to the end, I was like, oh yeah, he's going to have a child with the, the, sibling he's gone back to the hearth to meet 
that Esther even had a child with them. It just okay. I was surprised. Yeah, by it. I, no, I wasn't yeah, expecting it, just, it. It it seemed like foreshadowing to me. It, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say I was expecting it either, but when it happened, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Okay, so are we ready to do our little rating things? Sure. What's our first one, Sarah? How exciting. Okay, so Kim, how exciting did you find this book? I didn't think about this at all. Uh, <laughs> Do I need to give you a moment? Exciting. I wouldn't, I, I, I would be neutral on it. I didn't think it was exciting. I didn't like think, a three? Yeah, neutral. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was nothing that was particularly, it was a slow book, and but but it was intentionally slow. So. Yeah. Sarah? Kind of, I gave it a three and a half. Because okay. there was that point, again, pretty much where he left Carhide and then up to the prison camp where I was pretty invested. I wanted, it wouldn't say it was exciting, but I did want to keep reading. Yeah. I give it a three and that's, part of it is because it's definitely what I consider higher brow science fiction, where the intent is to elicit thought and conversation and not necessarily that it's plot driven. So we're not looking at a space opera, you know, equivalent to Star Wars here, where it's, you know, you're just trying to get to the next action. Battles in space and all that. Um, This is very much more a reflection on society, which aren't always the most thrilling science fiction. I don't hate them, but they're they're not designed to be thrilling. Um, So, yeah, I gave it a three. It was pretty neutral in terms of excitement. And then our next one is... Ease of reading. Okay. So what was your Sarah? I gave it a four. A four, you found it easy to read? Pretty easy, yeah. I think the only thing that I... Was when it started to drag. Or yeah. in the very beginning where you're confronted with a lot of different, like, alien terms and stuff where that gets dumped on you. That was where it was, like, hard to get into. Probably mm-hmm. not hard to read, but... Yeah, so four. Mostly okay. easy. So, yeah, I would say if people are, are looking at our reviews when they go into a book and, mm-hmm. and deciding ahead of time, you know, what they're getting I don't know into. why you would do that because we spoil everything. Sorry. <laughs> Some people people like to know what's coming in the book. Um, I would actually give this a two. I had to restart this book. In different parts of the book. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. And then I came to the realization that I can't skim this. I can't just slide through this book. I have to actually engage in in reading it. I would also argue that this is, um, and and we kind of touched on it, higher-end writing. This, This is not... Basic sentences. This is not basic words. Um, if you're or not world building, or yeah, you you you're diving in deep. You're in the deep end, and you. Um, she doesn't. She being Ursula Le Guin doesn't put words in the sentence, and you're going to use the sentence to figure out the word. Sometimes you're going to get a word in the middle of the sentence, and you're just like, I don't know what this means, and there's no explanation within the sentence. Which is again why I like the ebooks because you yeah. just put your little finger on it, you hold it there, and the definition comes up. Oh. Okay, that's what I thought it meant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. But direct definition, no. Yeah. There were definitely words in there that I was just like, "That's one I've not There's seen no, before." No context clues. Yeah. yeah. To to what the word means. Yeah. Because unfortunately, if there is context clues, a lot of the times those words were the context it's clues. clues. For something for else. the topic, for the, for, for or for the the, the, the alien concept, yeah. Um, so I would say it's a two. This yeah. is not your your average reader is not going. Your average reading being that the average reader in the United States of America is between a third and fifth grade reading level. 
this is most definitively above a fifth grade reading level. Yeah, which I would give it a two as well. And and I actually, when I was thinking about it, I was like, why have I not read this before? I'm like, this seems like something that should have been taught in school or even in my my college levels. Um, I would say this is possibly even yeah, difficult. This will never make it into high school now. No, no. but... but which it should. Yeah. This would right, but, be a great, yeah. <laughs> no. This would be a great teach read. Yeah. Um, but I thought about it and I'm like, this actually probably even on a college level, maybe a master's program could handle it pretty well, but like a bachelor's program, this could actually be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- knowing what I've read from my English bachelor's program, maybe if you had a class specializing in science fiction. Right. And I would argue that when a teacher is deciding what book are we going to cover when we're doing our science fiction and we want to discuss, you know, the aspects of science fiction, you're going to choose Dune before you choose um, Like Hand of Darkness, which is unfortunate because I think this is... um, Or, you know, Brave New World or any of those. That's... Yes, it's science fiction. You're you're teaching Brave New World a a different way. Yeah, yeah. But Um, it tends to be any science fiction books that I came across were Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, um, War of of the Worlds. See, I was taught Dune in high school. In high school? Yes. I did did, um, what would now be called AP English. It wasn't called AP English when I was in high school. But um, yes, I, I read Dune in high school. Hmm. And it wasn't just a portion of it. Back when I was in high school, you read the entire fucking book. I mean, I read the entire fucking books. But I know. I hate it when um, Allie and Martin went through school. Read this passage, passage. And, then, and that was your science fiction ex- ex- exposure yeah. or your, you know, his- historical book exposure. I hated that. I'm yeah, like, but... But yeah, this this is this was one that I when I was thinking about ease, I was like, or um, right, ease of reading. I'm yeah. like, I think even college students, yeah, it's a think piece. It's it's not an easy read. It yeah. really is not. Well, and as a teacher, when you're going into a book, you're deciding ahead of time what topics am I trying to elicit? Yeah. By this, and is it just that I'm going to cover a genre, or am I actually wanting to discuss a societal impact? Yeah. Um, this is not a societal impact you want to discuss in high school. No. Especially this day and age. And then I think our last one is emotional. Yeah. Reaction. So Kim, your emotional reaction. I had a lot of emotional reaction to it. There was a lot of times where I would stop and just go, "Wow, I just read that, and that's interesting. That's yeah. that's something I want to think about." But again, we're very much putting it in perspective of what's going on right now. Would I have had the same emotional reaction had we read this a month ago? Probably not. Probably would have been um, just, okay, that's good science fiction. That Obviously, she's a, she's a, she's a famous science fiction writer. She's, she's, Awards she's like one of the, the yeah, she's, she's the one that you're day. always told if you're going to read science fiction, you got to read Ursula Le Guin, which is interesting because I avoid avoided her books my entire life she's also now. one of the ones for fantasy too yeah this is like the sci-fi fantasy female author this is the one that's yeah so had we read it a month ago it would have been oh this is interesting and this is a this is a this is a cool take on society mm-hmm. um now it's just like oh we do just keep cycling back to the same bullshit over and over and over and over again so yes i found it so what five i, I okay. would say Five might be a little extreme, but four might be more accurate. But so somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So like four and a half. We'll give it four and a half. 
I know you like those so, halves. Quarters, three quarters, <laughs> one eighth. Fractions are awesome. So for me, it was a three, but I read it and finished it before everything started happening. So like it was an interesting read. I I I had curiosities, but I don't know that I had an emotional impact for it. And, and honestly, I only give something a five when it makes me cry. Um, you can make me cry, you get an automatic five and not in pain. I oh, it's like, what about pain. crying in rage? If I'm in, if it's supposed to be eliciting rage from me, then yes. If it's not supposed to, then no. Um, that's not a five. That's an automatic one. Once <laughs> <laughs> to throw the book across the room. But it, it didn't. I was curious and I was thinking, but I, I wasn't emotionally invested in any of the characters. But you could recognize had you read it. Oh, three days later, three it probably later, would have been an entirely I different read. I probably would have been looking at it very differently. And even as we've been discussing it, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think to make that connection. Um, like with the farms, I hadn't, even though I knew that, had that knowledge, and even though it was discussed in the book, I did not make the connection between them. Because when I was reading it, that wasn't a context I was considering. Um, in fact, actually, I think the closest I got to it was thinking, oh, that sounds kind of like a concentration camp, but that's not right. That's not the correct so comparison. I find, and I kind of tried to, to, to go into this earlier and it, mm-hmm. because of my age and the USSR actually being a thing when I was a child, um, and it was a part of our, our everyday, not everyday speech, but it's something we discuss yeah. openly, whether in school or as, as a family or, or you with your friends. Yeah. But this wouldn't be a thing for you guys, because how old were you when the wall came down? Uh, didn't it come down in 89? I was born. Yeah. 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 When the wall came down or when the when the Soviet Union collapsed, which was shortly before, shortly after. So I was either Ukraine. not developed as a human or. No, no, it was that year. Um, or 1990, because 1991 is when Ukraine officially became its own country. Right, but that isn't the fall. As we know, as we know it to be, but 1989 would have been when the collapse was starting, the the wall being one of the more prolific things, um, because communism had an atrocious year in 1989, um, because Tiananmen Square also happened in 1991, according to this website. December 26th, 1991. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my view on this, all of this screamed USSR, the entire book. Um, But for you guys, it was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, but no, this was, mm, yeah. Yeah. And in terms of our lives, Cold War was that weird thing people did in the 60s and 70s when they were afraid that bombs were magically going to drop down. Honey, what do you mean magic? There was no magic to it. There, it was. I'm sorry. I okay. So people say Cold War, and I think Blast from the Past. Oh my God. Um, I, interestingly, one of my coworkers is 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 very concerned. We live we live close to L.A. She's very concerned that Putin is going to use. Um, oh, one of the library the library patrons expressed that same thing too they were like yeah we're, we're we're located if they decide to send missiles we're doomed i was like yeah okay but people, yeah people are very concerned this and but that concern was a 
regular thing I know, when I was a child. And that's what I'm saying is, yeah. is for me, for me growing up, it was that weird thing that you guys had a weird obsession about that never made it's sense. It's so funny. Weird obsession. Weird obsession. Um, yeah. The, it's, the it's, Cold a, War was, it's a quirky movie with Brandon Fraser. Fraser. Uh, <laughs> but the, the Cold War was... I think a, a lot of impression is that Cold War meant it wasn't an active war, but the Cold War was an active war. It just wasn't it, it wasn't people on a line firing guns at each other. Yeah. Oh, no, and I know. There, and there was the over specter of somebody could just push a button and it's all done. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, this this book read that way for me very specifically. Okay, so what are we... Well, and then we meet Sarah's emotional reaction. Oh, yeah. What's your emotional reaction? My emotional reaction was a three. A three. Because there were points where I was like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Like I said, there were some quotes in here that I resonated with. But overall, and especially like end of the book, I was just indifferent. Okay. Did anyone have any quotes that they wanted to I wrote to share? two quotes down. Oh, okay. There were other ones, too, but I was too lazy at that point, I think. Um, so the first quote I came across is from page 75 of my edition. So who knows? Um I'm also not sure who said it because I didn't write that down. Okay. No but it is, the only thing that makes life possible is permanent, intolerable uncertainty, not knowing what comes next. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good point there. Um, the other one was from page 101 or 201. Can't read my writing. Uh, it says, one is respected and judged only as a human being. It is an appalling experience. Nice. Did you have a quote? I don't have quotes so much as just concepts that I really like. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say a quote. Um. So I have one. Um, and it's actually, it's two sentences in the same paragraph, but there's stuff in between. So I'm going to skip through it. It's actually the first sentence of the book. I'll make my report as if I told a story. For I was taught as a child on my home world that truth is a matter of the imagination. And then skipping down to that same paragraph. Facts are no more solid, coherent, round, and real than pearls are. But both are sensitive. Yeah. So, I, I thought those were pretty poignant setups for this book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great opening lines. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you always talk about writing, opening your book. Yeah. How are you going to do it so that you catch the reader? And those definitely would be... Catchy paragraphs. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then what was your overall rating, Sarah? Three and a half. Three probably. and a half. Okay. Kim? I gave it a four. And the only reason why it didn't get a five from me is because I did have to continue. I, I did have to go back and go, wait a minute. I just, I just missed half the book. I need to start over again. I hate that. Yeah. So I think for me, this was a four as well. However, I want to clarify that is a literary four, not a like... Yay, let's read this book for. Yeah, not a, not a, yeah, not a. Like, like a raw enjoyment sort of four. Yeah, not yeah. a raw enjoyment sort of four, but a, a four in realizing that this is a, this is a literary work, unequivocally. Literature at the utmost level. It's so funny. I would say this isn't literary, but that's fine. I, it, and I'm not going to get into what, this is my, uh, my background again in, in that um, science fiction was never literary. Um, even Dune wouldn't be, is it great science fiction? Yes, it's great science fiction, but nobody from my time would typically, 
label yeah. science fiction which as is, literary. Which is funny because some of my favorite literature pieces are science fiction. Um, like uh, Frankenstein and The Invisible Man and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, Those being labeled science fiction is mm. kind of a new concept. Yeah, but I, I would I would put this in that same grouping as them. And, you know, again, as we've mentioned, Fahrenheit 451, those, those... You keep saying these are science fiction and my brain's going... Mm. Fahrenheit 451 is science fiction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah. that's not how they were presented to us yes, when I was in high I know, school. And, and so, but, but I would classify this as literary on the same level as those ones, where... Yeah. Maybe you're not catching the plot the way you're supposed to, and maybe the plot doesn't easily make sense, but it's designed to make you think. Yep. It's not plot-driven. This is not plot-driven <laughs> at all. Um, I could not give you a linear plot for this if I tried. Um, he goes to the king of Carhide to I mean, talk to him about the thing. Then the king kicks him out. He goes to Orgorion. Then he gets in trouble with Orgorion, gets sent to a prison camp. Then he leaves the prison camp, goes across the ice, <laughs> talks to the king again. Everything's cool. He calls down his ship. The end. Yeah, but you missed the short stories in there. You Right, but I mean, that's the overall trajectory. So of my, brain, my trajectory. You just did that, and, and my brain just went, okay, so in the beginning, the king was crazy. He was he also was, pregnant. Was pregnant, which is a very irritate the living shit out of me thing, because, you know, women, we're emotional, especially when we're yeah. pregnant or on our period. And then at the end, he's calm and, okay, yeah, I see where, yeah, we need to accept these aliens coming down from space, so bring your ship in. Um, but the baby has been born and died since then, and now he's calm and not crazy. It, 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 basically, what I'm getting at is it didn't occur to me that the crazy, that they kept saying that the king's crazy, the king's crazy, the king's crazy, was because he was pregnant. He was hormonal. Because that, I will say, the nice thing is that, this book does do the extreme feminine and the extreme masculine. Yep. Is problematic. Yep. But, yeah. It, it, that, I, didn't, I didn't put that together. Yeah, until just now. Until you did that timeline. <laughs> king was crazy. He kicked you out. You see the king again. You have a calm conversation and everything's cool. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Do you have any ratings you need to change? <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the book. Yeah. I love I, I love Because it's an evaluation of how we... How we perceive, yeah, and how we react, women, yeah, as a society, how we how we stereotype masculinity, our emotions yeah. that are induced by hormonal imbalances yeah. yes. or changes. Yes. Yep. Anyway, okay. So I think we're done. Any other last thoughts? Have we beat this horse to? I thought this was a fun discussion. Oh, it was. It was. It was complicated. And again, I, I do apologize for anyone who thought they could handle anything. We ended up talking about oh. something we didn't anticipate. Oh, my God. You need to buy now. Just Anybody who's listening skin. to this shit knows that we're up front. We are I, very, very. Yes, but I just. This is one of our more intense conversations. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I had, I had tried to anticipate, and I can't anticipate what comes out of these two's best. <laughs> I thought there was, I was prepared for very particular conversations, and we threw in a bunch of ones I wasn't expecting. And you're like, God damn it, I read that book last night for absolutely no reason. No, actually, we did cover a little bit yeah. of Ukraine history. So. Yeah. Um, all right, then. Oh, oh, I did want to say, I know we haven't done book recommendations in a long time. Yeah. 
Um, but there were two books that when reading this, I was reminded of okay. for very different reasons. Um, so just like style wise, it very much reminded me again, not the plot, not the content, none of that. Just like that the way it's written, the style, it strongly reminded me of Gateway by Frederick Pohl. I think it was written in the seventies. I'm not sure. Um, but it does have that same like old timey sci-fi feel. So if you do kind of like this kind of story, you might want to check that one out because it's, it's pretty interesting. I did read it more than 10 years ago, so my <laughs> memories of it could be entirely wrong. So I apologize if I've directed you in the wrong way. Um, the other story was more recent, and it's why I was asking if you'd read it. It's the um, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. And Anne that, Leckie is yeah. a great writer. Um, yeah, and so that one... It kind of plays with gender and language a bit, because um, one of the things is that the character thinks in the language that they use for their culture. They only have one pronoun, and it's she. Mm -hmm. And so even for male characters, they're still referred to as she. And it really does kind of change how you read the book. Um, so it's very interesting. It is more about AI, though, and personhood than like actual gender stuff. Mm -hmm. But it is... Definitely very interesting, very thought-provoking. So that's another one I would recommend. Okay. I would fall on Dune. <laughs> we'll, we'll be discussing that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to go there. But yeah, it, 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 I, I was, and again, not because of the plot or, you know, Dune addresses these same issues, but that whole... Um, when was Dune written? Was that a 60s one? or? So? Uh, I think it was mid-70s. Dune. Not the film. <laughs> Although the film is very good. The 2021 one? 1965, yeah. sorry, not oh, okay. mid-70s. Mid so slightly before this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what, what I because I looked up something to see which came first. Crap. I can't remember what it was now. Does it remind, oh, Foundation Series. This reminded me a lot of the Foundation Oh, series. that's true, too. Yeah, but I preferred yeah. this one to Foundation, to be honest. Did you really? I love... Well, okay. I've only read part of the Foundation series. I only read the first Foundation Foundation book. series is hard to read, um, but it's a great, great story. If Martin had been here, um, that probably would have come up a lot more. Because Foundation the, is his favorite. Did you read the first one? First one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I read. So. And now, if you're going to compare the, 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 the current renditions on screen of the two dune does a much better job of covering the book dune than the foundation. oh i didn't watch anything oh, to do with the foundation, foundation. it was it, it wasn't I heard bad. it was not great it, it wasn't bad and if you're a found fan of foundation and you're willing to take anything they give you because it's always been said you cannot make foundation into a tv series or a movie because it spans so much time they do a fairly good job of that is that the new one or the yeah. older one I didn't know the new one had come out. Yeah, it's it's on a TV show. I think it's on Apple. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's it's not it's not horrible, but it's not. They adjusted it in order to cover the the span of time, so um, it doesn't it doesn't follow the book directly. So they kind of interweave. And if 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 you want an ice planet survival, oh no. <laughs> It's not, <laughs> not nearly as complicated as this than Ice Planet Barbarians. Oh my god. <laughs> Same themes, right? I mean, ice survival breeding, yeah, actually. 
Oh god, don't say breeding. That just makes me think of the breeding kink again. Uh, a lot of people who. So can I? Can I mention that I say what we, is a thing on? on <laughs> yeah. Can I say what we did this this week? My my coworker came to me because she knows I do a podcast, and she said, um, "I need recommendations on books." And she knows we do this, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm not good at recommending books, but my daughter is highly skilled at this." And um, I said, uh, "Okay, so what are you looking for?" And she's like, "Well, I just read this Greek mythology thing, and 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 then coworkers kind of laugh, and I'm like, "What's funny?" And she's kind of smutty and I'm like going okay um I'm like so what are you looking for and she's like um romance or you know smut and fantasy fantasy and I'm like okay so how do you feel about blue aliens and everyone just looked at me like what the (laughs) hell are you talking about <laughs> and so I did. I recommended Ice Planet Barbarians, well, and then it, it, and okay, then you so made several other recommendations. But let's let's were... take it in. So then she texts me, and she asks, "What book recommendations you have for fantasy romance?" And I texted back, "Romance or more like smutty romance?" And and you said both. And so not knowing which coworker it was, I then said Dark Olympus, which right. is Neon Gods and Electric Idol. Um. And then I came home and you talked to me and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I hadn't even mentioned that she was looking for Roman Greek retellings and you instantly recommended one. I'm like, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, and the 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 particular coworker had mentioned that they liked Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm like, oh, they will love Dark Olympus because it's BDSM. And you just looked at me like, how? How did you? How do you do this? How do you do this? You don't even. It's a skill. (laughs) It's a bizarre skill, but it's a skill. I gave you two words and you asked me one question. (laughs) Yep. So yes, the, this is the second time this week yeah, that I saw anyway, variants have come yeah, up. Yeah. Alrighty, so <laughs> definitely, definitely not equivalent to Left Hand of Darkness <laughs> at all. <laughs> like I would like to be clear, Left Hand of Darkness is a multiple day deep think read. Um, Ice Planet Barbarians is you could read it in an afternoon, consume it. Um, and you're but, gonna get blue alien smut. Yeah, with ridges. Um, but still, Ice Planet Survival, which is kind of cool, and I liked about both of these things. So, on that note, our intro and outro. <laughs> that is not peeing. That is Martin. Oh, I was water. gonna say that's just someone peeing. Don't worry. <laughs> Go. On that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter, and we are now on Patreon under the same. You can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.